The following podcast contains strong language and frank discussions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone out there, and Michael. <laughs> Hello, everyone out there, and Joanne. How's I am fine. Good? How's your week? You know, too long for not long enough of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish we could implement four-day work weeks oh yeah three-day weekends that would be great yeah i feel like my productivity would go up oh absolutely you my mental health me i think would be in way better i think everybody though really oh absolutely yeah put yeah. me in charge guys yeah we don't have to get on this on my soapbox here this early but we've <laughs> i've excoriated you over many uh or not excoriated you because that makes it sound like you were disagreeing with me but i right. i've expressed my opinion on labor in this country i don't think we need to <laughs> <laughs> we need to delve into that right now yeah but hey how's everyone's allergies because mine are pretty <laughs> bad so sorry if i sound sniffly or like more nasally than usual <laughs> but they're they're pretty horrendous with all this rain we're having yeah it, uh it's not the best right now Mm-mm. and it's also very windy here this weekend which is making all the stuff that is being knocked around by the rain, blow around everywhere, right? Just making it even worse. It's not great. No. You know what else isn't great? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Elections in Indiana; those are also not great. Um. So. As yeah. you, yeah, as people may or may not have heard, a uh, a local election was run this previous Tuesday, which was May third. And in one particular county in Indiana, um, it was for a, a township kind of selectman board, uh, just kind of local government election. A man who two weeks prior had been accused of murdering his wife uh, uh, was elect. Well, he wasn't elected. He won his primary, his Republican primary. Uh, he got the majority of the votes, so he will appear on the ballot in that, November. That sounds fine. Yeah. That's... What? Now, this isn't like the night before he was arrested and the election still it, yeah. carried off. This was two weeks so where like his opponent... the news was out that he had definitely killed his wife. Yeah. It's not funny. No. But... I don't know why I'm laughing. Well, at the absurdity of it. Yeah, it is absurd. And this wasn't, everybody can kind of Google this, but uh, the the murder he's accused of was exceptionally brutal as well. It was not, uh, he was covered in, like, this isn't a maybe he did it, maybe he didn't right, situation. Right, right. Uh, the only solace we can take from this is that if he is uh, tried and convicted prior to the election, he will be ineligible to serve well, uh, in that position. Thank goodness for small favors. Should he be elected. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I thought I read something wacky and you can probably dip into it a little bit, but what's going on in Kansas? Yes. Uh, another wacky bill. Um, local government matters. Keep an eye on your neighborhoods. <laughs> uh, they are trying to pass an ordinance in essence, outlying roommates. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, now, 
this is another soapbox that you and I have have chatted through yeah. uh that we don't necessarily need to turn into a five-hour podcast about. Um, but in an effort, they say, to combat rent rental properties and therefore uh, exorbitant monthly rent rates and things like that, they are disallowing certain scenarios of uh, people living together that are unrelated. And okay, so if you and I wanted to get an apartment, yeah, then what? Um, because rents are outrageous, and maybe we don't make enough money to get one, yeah, separately. And the podcast isn't paying the bills, right? So, right. In in this one particular town in Kansas, if me, you, and two other people, so as of right now, the law is written for four people who are unrelated. They are ineligible to rent a place. And the fine print on that is if one person is unrelated, everybody is considered unrelated. So if you and two of your family members wanted me to move in with you to cover the rent, that would make us, under this law, all unrelated. Right. So if I live with my mother and my daughter and then I say, hey, Mike, you're having a hard time of it. Why don't you come and stay with us? Yeah. Chip in towards the rent. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It'll be great. Right. That becomes illegal then, in this town I, in That negates the blood bonds yes. between my mother and my child yes. and myself? Yes. The strongest is, of all blood bonds. How is that even a thing? Get broken by me. What is yeah. going on in Kansas? Yeah. Anyone in Kansas want to email us at mafpodcastshow at gmail.com? Yeah. And uh, fill us in on what the heck is going on or any of the texas listeners about the new education bill that greg abbott's trying to pass um keep an eye on your states everybody because we're in a time here where things are going to change rapidly if we're not paying attention or even if we are paying attention and not speaking loud enough so does anyone else feel like we're headed for a real life handmaid's tale uh that is the absolute (laughs) yeah that that is the absolute dream of a certain subset of oh. of people. Oh, ugh. Uh, I just got such chills up my back. Yeah, it really. I mean, it wasn't written all that long ago. I mean, I'd have to probably be an aunt. Let's face it. <laughs> so it's not going to be great for me either. You know, I don't want to like uh, beat women and force them into submission. Yeah. Like that's not my thing. Well, I'm not. Uh... I'm not of the landed gentry myself, so it wouldn't be <laughs> it wouldn't be the greatest situation uh, for me either. But definitely would be better than it would be for a lot of other people. So yeah. we can't let that like happen. All the ladies, yeah, or non-binary, or non-Caucasian, yeah, right. or <laughs> yeah. So there's a uh, there's a lot to keep an eye out for. What if we just lop off? The western part of the country and the eastern part of the country and the middle of the country can just be its own thing. Yep. Sorry, middle of the country. I don't know what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but... The country is uh, a I, mite too large, I think. I think so. Maybe yeah. some states should just be their own thing. Yeah. You know? Secede and uh, take care of yourselves out there. Yep. It's just... It's hard to... 
imagine. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, it, it's hard to imagine a, a, a situation where a unified, like, front can be presented as as a cohesive country at this point because there's just there's a fundamental mismatch here this isn't a difference of opinion this is a difference of reality in a lot of situations hey ladies let's overturn roe v wade so that the government can force you to have babies that they can then take from you and sell at a profit for quote adoption yeah don't get me started let's how about we just skip over all of this and go right into the story for this week yeah because i kind of feel like i'm gonna get extremely worked up and just start yeah abjectly screaming into the microphone yes this is this is a a thing that uh we don't need to get into but the thing that makes me the angriest about it are the people that are anti-choice who want to force you to carry the pregnancy and then they turn around and say, you know, you got pregnant, so you have to raise it. Like, you have to take care of it. You need to be financially responsible for it. That was one of the considerations that made me want to consider maybe stopping. Like, right. it's just the the abject just disconnect between all of these various thoughts they have in their heads, these anti-choice people because I refuse to call them pro-life because they are not right. by any stretch pro-life, but all of the anti-choice people who just have all of these contradictions just floating around in their head, I just, it, it exasperates me. It It's a rough time to be alive on this planet. I mean, and it's a worse time to be a woman, and I, I don't know what to do about it. Well, I think we all just need to stick together and don't take it lying down. Yes. And on that note, yeah, we'll jump right into our to our story this week. It is one that is a little bit more well known. It is a serial killer. Um, he is not the most prolific of serial killers. You know, he doesn't have the body count that some of the more quote unquote famous ones do. Mm-hmm. But there is a uh, a bit of a a wrinkle to his spree that makes it uh, unique and worth talking about. Let's do it. This is the story of Joseph Callinger. Joseph Callinger was born Joseph Brenner III in 1936 in Philadelphia. His birth... Oh, I love an olden-time serial killer. Yes. Um, Where was he born, Michael? (laughs) Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ah. In 1936. Land of my favorite cream cheese. (laughs) Yeah, there's no other cream cheese. Philadelphia. (laughs) Philadelphia or Bath. Do other companies even make cream cheese? I don't even know. I don't think so. And if I mean, they do, yeah, they <laughs> can't. You guys. They, they shouldn't be able to call Get it cream cheese. <laughs> Just call it white cheese brick. Um, his <laughs> white birth... cheese fluff yeah. spread. <laughs> his birth parents gave him up for adoption not long after, and in 1938, so at the age of two, Joseph was adopted by Stephen and Anna Callinger. The Callingers had emigrated from Austria, but how they raised Joseph can't be blamed on cultural differences. Oh wait a minute. <laughs> What? Yeah. Uh-oh. Joseph okay. was severely abused when he was no. growing up. Why would you adopt a child? Just a, hey, let's, this is not a throw. Hey, Roe v. Wade. Yeah. Hey, let's keep these children, adopt them out to these abusive ass. Okay. Yeah. Right. S- I'm, that, okay. Stop. I'm stopping. You, you get the connection I, Yep, there. I'm stopping. He would be flogged, beaten with a hammer, <gasps> forced to kneel on jagged rocks, and even was threatened with castration regularly. No. 
No wonder he turned out to be a serial killer. Yeah. When he was just nine years old, Joseph was raped at knife point by a group of older boys from his neighborhood. The knife would imprint on Joseph's sexuality and become a big piece of his fantasy oh, life. Oh, jeez. That's uh, not, that's not, mm-mm. That's yeah. not a turn on for me. No. No, thank you. I'm not going to dive too deep into no, it. No, thank you. Um, obviously, the constant abuse gave Joseph a rebellious streak, which perpetuated more abuse as punishment. Well, yes. Joseph dreamed beyond his situation, wanting to become a playwright. His involvement with his Big high dreams, schools... Joseph. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Broadway. <laughs> His involvement. Name in lights. Yeah. Well, he did, just not for that reason. Yeah. His involvement with his high school's theater program led him to meet Hilda Bergman, whom he started a relationship with when they were both fifteen. She sounds like a dish. His straight. Well, I just think of Ingrid, <laughs> Ingrid Bergman, and that's you know. That does it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Can't it does. can't beat her. No. Uh, his strict parents forbid them from being together, but when they turned 17, they got married and eventually had two children. Hey, they did a little elopement against their parents' wishes. We all know. Everybody <laughs> likes to do stuff like that. Do I? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Admitting to nothing. Suggesting many things. <laughs> you know me so well. In September of 1956, so three years into their marriage, Hilda abandoned Joseph and the kids for another man. No, well, more more bad luck for Joseph. Come on, girl. Less than a year later, Joseph ended up in the hospital for a suspected brain lesion, but testing confirmed he was suffering from a psychopathological nervous disorder. Oh, no. Well, from you know, probably the, from being knocked in the head with a hammer a couple hundred times yeah, as a kid, you think? The constant abuse and now the abandonment by somebody he seemed yeah. to have a good relationship with. You know, the rapes well, not a good at knife point? I mean... Yeah. Like, he had a lot of... he's going to grow up completely... Uh, well adjusted. Now, before you start feeling bad for Joseph, I'll skip to the end of the story and tell you that he was arrested for murder along, among myriad other charges. Okay. His is the classic backstory of most serial well, I can killers. I still feel bad for baby and yeah. child Joseph. His is the classic backstory for most serial killers, so it's important to give the context, but it certainly doesn't rationalize what he ended up well, doing. No. But had he been adequately taken care of... Maybe this, this would never have happened. Correct. All right, back to it. Not long after getting out of the hospital, Joseph met a woman who he would later make his second wife in April 1958. Shortly thereafter, Joseph set fire to his own house. So if you're keeping track of the triad, there's the pyromania yes. manifesting. Uh, he did this ostensibly for his own enjoyment, but he ended up collecting $1,600 from insurance. There was a kid in the neighborhood of the lady that used to babysit us. Yes. Okay. Next and to the alleged kidnapper. Next to the, yeah, alleged, well, she wasn't yeah, alleged. attempted, attempted. She was an attempted yes. kidnapper. Her daughter's house, yes. Um, and he would set houses on fire. Great. Like his own houses. Like they moved to the neighborhood that that lady lived in because he had burned down the previous house. This started a pretty disturbing cycle. He set four more fires on the family's new house, twice in May 1963, once in August 1965, and once more in October 1967. Preceding these attempts, Joseph had been again committed to the hospital after a suicide attempt. This poor guy is yeah. all messed up. He was not in a good way. <clears throat> By 1972, the Callengers had six children at home, including the two from Joseph's first marriage. 
on that's a lot of kids. That's a lot uh, of kids. Somebody with mental illness. Yes. On January 23rd of that year, Joseph branded his oldest daughter's thigh with a hot iron as punishment for running away. Oh, come on, dude. Perpetuating the abuse, of course. Arrested a week later, he was found incompetent for trial and held for 60 days for a psychological examination and then ultimately later ruled fit for trial in June. How how did that decision come about? I mean, he's clearly... You can't say, well, he's got this mental disability, but I think right now... Well, it has nothing to do with his state of mind at the time of the crime. It's can you presently participate yeah, in your own defense. Whatever you said, like psychotic, uh, yeah. you know, some kind of sociopathy going on. Yeah. And uh, th- this behavior doesn't sound normal. Well, apparently 60 days worth of treatment straightened him out enough to be brought to trial. I mean, I guess when you have a baby, they pretty much send you home the same day. So I guess yeah. I guess I, uh, guess that doesn't surprise me. He was convicted on child abuse charges and got four years probation with a provision for mandatory psychiatric treatment for that time period. Okay. It was during this period of probation and supposed treatment that Joseph actually lost control, <laughs> had the opposite effect. Oh, no. In 1974, he started hallucinating constantly. He would have full and robust conversations with a disembodied head that he named Charlie. Can you imagine, like, this guy's your friend, and then all of a sudden, yeah, something he just snapped in him. Talking to like what he thinks is just a floating head that just follows him around, I guess. Yeah, and you're like, hey, 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 buddy, um, what you doing? And he's like, oh, me and Charlie, yeah, are just gonna go down to the, I don't know, the pier, yeah. and you know, take in the scenery. <laughs> We're gonna go and, chuck old car tires, and the you're creek. like. Who's Charlie? And he's just like, oh, just this floating head by my side. He's yeah. always with me. He's one of my dearest and most loyal friends. <laughs> and you're like, there's there's no one there, bud. No, I know. He's just a floating head. Me and Charlie. Don't worry. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm never going to see you again. Goodbye. Well, Because was, you're going to kill me. He was, you're obviously <laughs> going to kill me. So goodbye. He was also getting orders from God. Aren't we all, though? Yeah. You know. Like you do. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. You don't? Strangely. Oh, well, you wouldn't, would no, you? I would not, know. I mean, who would yeah. you get messages from, though, if you were to get one? Moses. Mo- <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Strangely. Good old Mosey. Yeah. Mosey on down to Moses Town. <laughs> Strangely, those orders usually centered around killing young boys and cutting off their genitals. Oh, God told him to do that? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean... He did uh, command... was he talking to? Because he did tell Abraham to kill his only son. Yep. So... It's true. You know, yeah. I mean... Sometimes God wilds out. Well, even more strangely, Joseph asked his then 13-year-old son, Michael, to help with the mission. Oh, no. <laughs> no. And even no, more no. strangely than no. that... Michael responded with enthusiasm, quote, glad to do it, Dad. No, he didn't. Come on. What is, how is that? How is a 13-year-old going, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, actually. Like, I'd love to do that. They didn't have the most stable of childhoods. Yes, but, I mean, some of us didn't have the most stable of childhoods at certain times in our lives, and I don't think if someone asked me to cut up young children's genitals i would have well, been 
unbendable to they would have been like his age because yeah my friends yeah hi can i mutilate your friends genitals want to help me like well good god we'll we'll get into that but oh geez 11 days later they murdered jose calazo a puerto rican uh boy they tortured him first and then did cut off his penis oh no jose no way jose yeah unfortunately for jose um emboldened by a successful divine mission a divine mission don't call it that it was that's what it was to him don't call it that joseph looked closer to home for his next victim if you say one of his brothers or sisters joseph was now determined to kill his younger son joseph jr his namesake even yes in his first attempt he tried his first attempt yes how many times did he try to kill this kid? I'll tell you. In his first attempt, he tried to make his son back off a cliff while posing for a picture. <gasps> oh, you shit burger. Yeah. When that didn't work, he took both Joseph Jr. and Michael along with him to commit one of his arsons. So now he's teaching them to set fire to things? This time he was going to try and trap no. Joseph Jr. inside no. a trailer as he burned it. No. Oh, my God. That is like, oh, God. That didn't work either. burning to death? That's, I, of all the ways to die, that is at oh the absolute God. top of the ways I do not want that to go. That has to be So painful. So, yeah. Because it's not fast. It's, no. yeah. How can you do that to your own son? Luckily, See, listen, Big Joe, Joseph, yeah. I was feeling sorry for you as a kid, but now, I mean... Yeah. Oh. That didn't work either. I have the chills. He got out. The final attempt happened just three days later when Joseph and Michael took matters into their own hands. They were done with this, like, accidental kind of thing. The father-son killers drowned Joseph Jr. at a oh demolition God. site. Jesus They took Christ. him out there and then and just held drowned him under. together and then like high-fived each other and walked away? Like what? Yeah, it was not, not healthy. Brutal. The body was found by authorities about a week later. Questioned as a suspect in the murder, neither Joseph nor Michael were ever arrested due to lack of evidence. So they were questioned, but that was it. Right. I, I mean, and that was probably just because they were family. Right. Just doing SOP. Yes. Yeah. Only a few months later, Joseph was getting more directives from the Almighty. Yeah, I'm okay. These people always say, God told me to do it, as if authorities are going to go, well, I mean, guys, God told him to do it. I mean, can we really charge him with it? I mean, what do you think? I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, mean, it is God, so can we override God? Yeah, it's it's weird. What are they... It's weird that you hear more about the guys that say God commanded me to kill rather than God commanded me to give away all of my earthly possessions and help the needy for the rest of right, my life. Right, right. You so don't really hear so many hear of those. You don't hear so many people go, yeah. you know, God really reached out to me and um, yeah, I'm going to work for a mission. I'm going to work in yeah. a mission. I'm going to feed I'm going to feed homeless. I'm going to build houses for, uh, you know, was that houses for humanity or whatever? Habitat for humanity. Habitat for humanity. Yeah. It happens. No, nobody says that. It happens. I'm sure it happens. 
It's just it doesn't seem to be as prevalent as the killing. Right. <laughs> right. Well, God is a vindictive God, is he not? Well. Depends which depends God. Depends which God we're talking about here. This time, so they were emboldened by getting away with this, but they yeah. decided not to. They think to, they're like wicked cool now. Yeah. Cool. They decided to not continue that risk, though, and they were going to look outside of the immediate area for their next spree here. In November 1974, the two left Pennsylvania for Linwood, New Jersey. No one was home at the first house they stopped at, so they burgled it and moved on. Unfortunately, Joan Cardi was home when Joseph and Michael broke in to her house. Oh, no. They tied her to the bed, and Joseph sexually abused her. Not Michael. Why are you getting your son in <laughs> This is so gross. Less than two weeks later, back in Pennsylvania, they took five people hostage at knife point. The son and the dad. The son and the dad. A 13-year-old son. I don't know how big he was, you know, at the right. time. You can get some pretty big 13-year-olds. I mean, olds, at 13, but... I was a little pipsqueak. Yeah. But. They made off with $20,000 in cash <gasps> and jewelry. What the heck? Who were these six people? They, <laughs> they, yes. they gathered together. That was, a, that was a pretty lucrative haul. Yeah. Their next stop was Homeland, Maryland. Here they sexually assaulted Pamela Jasky at gunpoint. And just after the new year in 1975, they assaulted Mary Rudolph at her home in Dumont, New they, Jersey. Meaning they, meaning both. both. Come on. So they're going all over they're Pennsylvania, Maryland, New Jersey. This is yeah, like a nice new Jersey. father-son road trip. Yeah. They're really bonding, Mike, you know? They're really cementing their relationship. Only two days later... On January 8th, Joseph and Michael invaded a home in Leonia, New Jersey, holding eight captives at gunpoint while they ransacked the house. How do eight, how did, if there's eight guys, if there's eight of you, and there is one guy with a gun, even if he goes to shoot, he can only shoot one person at a time. So, I mean... And if everybody charges at the same time, most yeah. likely he's going to miss anyway. Yeah. Can we not Can we not try and defend ourselves a little bit here, please? One of those eight was Maria Fashing. She had stopped at the house to aid an elderly neighbor and friend, but was taken to the basement, tied up, sexually assaulted, and ended up dead. But she didn't even live there. No. Oh, man. She ended up dead when she refused the order to bite off a male hostage's penis. Oh, no. It's like that horror movie that I accidentally saw as a kid. Mm Oh, no. Was it? It was Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Oh, no, Michael. (laughs) Why are you doing this? Oh, God. I'm going to have nightmares now. Guys. Okay. I believe Mother's Day is on Shutter. If anybody would like to no, stream No, nobody that. wants to see it. No <laughs> one wants to see it. Guys, I accidentally woke up in the middle of the night when I was a kid. I had to be, oh my God, that movie had to come out in like maybe 82 or 3 or something. Early 80s. Like early, early 80s. So I was only like maybe 6 or something. And it was at <laughs> the time when if you had cable, you had like... <clears throat> I don't even know if it was preview back then or you could only get like HBO, but whatever it was, the movie would play, whatever movie it was would play over and over again, just on a loop. And there were only like maybe four new movies a month or for that week or whatever. And I accidentally woke up in the middle of the night, probably because I had a nightmare. Yeah. And then I stroll into the living room where my mom had fallen asleep on the couch with the TV on 
And so I just curled up on a chair and decided to like sleep in there because I didn't want to go back in my room because I had had a nightmare. So I was yeah. already scared to like be in there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's this movie called? Mother's Day? That sounds nice. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden these people are like out by a, a lake and there's a cabin. And then before you know it. That cabin. It's a nightmarish scenario yeah. where the girl is about to be like sexually assaulted and instead she bites off this dude's junk yeah and i was traumatized <laughs> yeah and i still am to this day and now that's all i'm gonna think about until i actually force myself into a nightmare well, I'm going to have a nightmare this week, and it's going to be our fault. And if I wake up at 3 in the morning, guess who's getting a phone call? Great. Mm-hmm. Going to sleep with it on silent. Here we go. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. You You're better right. not. I won't. Fleeing the scene after killing Maria, Joseph and Michael jumped on the bus. In addition to using public transport for their super secret getaway, <laughs> Joseph got careless and tossed a bloody shirt near the scene. Joseph, get your shit together. (laughs) Come on, man. Yeah. Investigators traced the shirt to its owner, found out about Joseph's history of domestic violence, Joseph Jr.'s unsolved death, and a series of arsons targeted against buildings he just happened to own. Right. So his web was untangling here. I mean, at least the cops were doing a little detective work. They weren't just like, well, we don't know. The kid went missing. He probably ran away. The Callengers were arrested on January 17th by a collection of federal and state authorities on kidnapping. They just swarmed them like that? Yes. Oh, nice. Uh, I like that. On kidnapping and rape charges and eventually charged with three counts of murder in New Jersey. Yes, good. Callenger pleaded insanity, claiming God had told him to do Fuck it. off. <laughs> he was found sane, however, and sentenced to life in prison on October 14th, 1976. Oh, that was one. Michael Callenger, just barely one. Oh, just barely, yeah. Michael Callenger was ruled delinquent, but, quote, salvageable. Uh, I doubt that. He's going to grow up to also be a serial killer. With murder charges dismissed in exchange for his guilty plea on two counts of robbery. Dismissed for robbery? Are you out of your mind? Let the let the robbery charges go and charge him with the murders. <laughs> yeah. What are you saying? Uh, he Who stayed, the fuck is the judge? Uh, someone with a soft heart, I guess. I don't know. Bullshit. Do your do your duty to the community. What are you saying? I mean, if if charge this... you on the robbery, who gives a shit about that? We're talking about multiple rapes and murders here. If his enthusiasm for participation was what it's purported to be with his, yeah, let's do it, dad, yeah, kind of he was thing. So, he was so yeah, into it. Then mitigating circumstances should only take you so far. If he was more reluctant. If his dad put like, a knife to his throat and yeah. said, you're going to help me with this right. or I'm going to slice your throat. Then I would say, let's let that go and we'll get him on the robbery. Right. Because at least we can get him on something. Right. Maybe get we can help. scare him straight. Yeah. But uh, if he's, like, super gung-ho, like, hell yes, Pop! Yeah. Let's do it! <laughs> you know? Give me that whetstone. I'm going to shopping these knives. Like, I mean, yeah, what are we doing here? Right. 
Well, he was sent to a reformatory and was released at the age of 21. And he moved out of the state and changed his name. So we don't know if he stayed out of trouble because we don't have the names connected. Right. um, I guarantee you he did not. (laughs) I guarantee you he did not. I'm losing my voice because I'm screaming and my allergies are on fire. While in prison, Joseph made several suicide attempts, including attempting to set himself on fire. Good. I'm not mad about it. Oh, that he couldn't succeed at? Yeah. Because of his suicidal and violent behavior, Joseph was moved to multiple different mental health hospitals during his incarceration. Joseph Callinger died of an epileptic seizure on March 26, 1996. That can't be a great way to die, though. No, but he was born in uh, 1936 and died in 1996. So he... uh, lived to the age of about 60. 60. He spent the last 11 years of his life on like suicide watch. numbers are like same numbers. It makes the math so much easier. I was like, ah, 60. 60. I got it. I got it. Uh, so he spent the last 11 years of his life on suicide watch. I mean, at that point, just let him do it. Yeah. And that was the story of Joseph Callinger. Now, he is also known, if you want to look into some more of the specific details of the grisliness of some of these uh, attacks. You macabre little bastards. Yeah. He also is known by the moniker The Shoemaker. Uh, there was a book written about him named The Shoemaker. Um, he was a cobbler, so it obviously fits. Uh, he is sometimes confused with Jerry Brudos, the lust killer, because he was sexually obsessed with shoes. And this guy made shoes. Oh. They're not the same person. <laughs> the stories are very different. I don't think I heard the story of the other guy. No, I don't think I've ever heard of him. Oh, okay. Well, I've skipped over telling Jerry Brudos' story for a while, assuming you will, would have heard of him. But have you have not, I will dive deep into the Jerry Brudos wormhole. Yes, so. please. And fuck this guy. Yes. So. Um, and I'll say like half, half, a half fuck off yeah. to his son because. But come on kid i mean you gotta you do know right from wrong though it wasn't like you well maybe his dad put, i mean who knows yeah maybe his dad did force him into it and he was like well i better go along with her he's gonna fucking kill me yeah we don't know but this this ties into the theme of our last about month here between sylvia likens and sarah lawrence that who are these dads man dads out there do better yeah do better um what the heck's going on you know, one dad starts a cult. One dad <laughs> abandons his daughter to an abusive house so he can join the carnival. Right. And now this one makes his son join him on uh, a rape murderous missions from spree. gods. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come, on. It's, uh, come on, dad. Not the best. But, you know, all of these people, Banashevsky, Callinger, and Larry Ray, all probably could have done with some mental health treatment yeah yeah, i think and a lot of this stuff probably could have been prevented um maybe it wasn't the best idea to unilaterally defund and close all of the mental institutions in the 80s you know what's interesting all three of those people yes were abandoned yes so i think that abandonment is probably a very key trigger yes. <laughs> to people growing up to be a little bit crooked. 
Yeah, I mean, if this is an attention-seeking behavior. (laughs) I mean, I'm not a psychologist, Mike, and I don't play one on TV, but it doesn't take a genius to put two and two together. Yeah. And, you know, trying not to get political with anything here is damn near impossible in this day and age. But, um, you know, I don't think it's overly political to say, just pay attention. If somebody looks like they may need some help, let's maybe try to suggest them into some help. Yeah. Let's just look out for each other. Yeah. It's not a... It's not that hard. Yeah. It's it's, it, not, it's not an outrageous concept. No. It's not that hard. Hey, how about God telling everyone to uh, look out for your neighbor and do unto others as you would have them done unto you? Yeah. Oh, no. He's too busy telling people to kill everybody. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Well, Mike, until next week, if hopefully I don't have any nightmares, because if I do, then suddenly I'm also going to have a secret mission from God <laughs> to and... come to your house and um, hack you to bits. So. All right. Well, maybe until next time. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day, guys. And also watch Mother's Day if you haven't and you are a don't watch macabre it. little freak. Don't watch it. <laughs> Uh, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, and don't watch Mother's Day because you will be traumatized for life. Goodbye. But it also kind of kicks ass. Goodbye. Goodbye.